Did you know that there is a country in Central America that has a black female vice president? Yes, that is in Central America before the United States. Latin America has beat us to it. So if you want to know what country already has a black female vice president, in Latin America, make sure you tune into this episode. This is part two of my conversation with Kim Haas, who is the host of Afro Latino Travels with Kim Haas. And this is a radically different program from anything on TV today. Each half hour episode of the show captures the heart and soul of Afro Latino culture throughout the Americas by taking an adventurous dive into the history, art, music, dance, cuisine, education, sports, and environmental conservation that African descendants brought to Central and South America as well as the Caribbean. Through the lens of culture and compassion, host Kim Haas examines the unique role that Africans played in building countries such as Brazil, Colombia, Costa Rica, Dominican Republic, Mexico, and Puerto Rico. So we will be talking to Kim this week about how she got started with her series. And again, she'll be sharing with us how she had the opportunity to actually sit down and talk to the family of the first female black vice president in Latin America. So you do not want to miss this week's episode. Make sure you stick around to the end so you can find out how you can catch Afro-Latino travels on your local public television station. Así que vamos a empezar. Let's get started. This episode of the Learn Spanish Con Salsa podcast is sponsored by Utalk. When you use the Utalk app, you develop your speaking and listening skills in a new language from day one. Utalk features 145 different languages, including three varieties of Spanish. Subscribe today to get access to all 2,500 words and phrases in your target language, covering over 60 different topics. To save 30% on your subscription, go to learnspanishconsalsa.com slash Utalk. Happy language learning. Bienvenidos. Welcome to the Learn Spanish con Salsa podcast, the show for Spanish learners that love music, travel, and culture. Close your grammar textbooks, shut down the language apps, and open your ears to how Spanish is spoken in the real world. Let us show you how to go from beginner to bilingual. Here is your host, certified language coach, Tamara Mari. Hola a todos, bienvenidos al episodio 94. Welcome to episode 94 of the Learn Spanish Con Salsa podcast. In this week's episode, we are going to share part two of our conversation with Kim Haas, host of the TV series Afro-Latino Travels with Kim Haas. She shares the rich history of African descendants in Central America, and she also reveals which country in Latin America had the first black female vice president. We also address the issues of race, colorism, and how the Black Lives Matter movement in the United States is impacting the Afro-Latino community and the diaspora throughout Latin America. So again, a very interesting conversation. If you didn't hear part one, make sure you go back and listen to that as well. We talk more about language learning in last week's episode, so you can go back to episode 93 if you want to check that out. But this is, again, a wonderful conversation where we dive more into 
uh, Kim sharing how she really started the series and how she began to develop it. Uh, it's really pioneering work, you know, so you'll hear that as she talks more about it in this episode. So make sure you stick around to the end and do not forget uh, we are celebrating uh, or gearing up to celebrate our 100th episode that's coming up next month and we are doing giveaways uh, all throughout the month and you have until this Friday, October 16th, to get our giveaway of our 115 Essential Spanish Phrases ebook. This will give you everything you need to sound more like a native Spanish speaker and you really begin to refine your language as you begin to learn and use these phrases in your daily conversation. So these are some of the most frequently used phrases and not only do we give you a translation and a definition, but we also provide you with several examples in context so that you'll know exactly how to use these phrases in your own conversations uh, by giving you those examples. So again, if you want to get a copy of our ebook, 115 Essential Spanish Phrases, just leave us a voice note at learnspanishconsalsa.com slash voice. Share with us your number one takeaway from the podcast, uh, something about your favorite episode, uh, or anything that you want to share about how the podcast has helped you improve your Spanish. We would love to hear from you, and we will be including your voice note in our 100th episode uh, if it gets selected, and you will get a copy uh, as a way to say gracias. You'll get a copy of our phrasebook in return, okay? So make sure you go to learnspanishconsalsa.com slash voice if you want to be a part of our 100th episode and receive that giveaway. All right, so without further ado, let's get to part two of my conversation with Kim Haas. Let's switch gears because now I want to ask you about the series that you have that uh, just came out on PBS. If you could tell us how did the idea for the series Afro Latino Travels come about? Uh, I know you mentioned, you know, you started your company and you wanted to combine sort of your interest in media and language and travel. But how did the idea for the series come about and how did you actually make it happen after it was just an idea? So this whole interest in television and the idea really starts with and I think it feels like everything comes back to my grandmother, Cassie. So she, by taking me to Acapulco, really started me on this journey, as I mentioned, and as I'm growing and I'm, you know, I live in Philadelphia, so I'm meeting all these people, I'm meeting Afro-Latinos, whether they're Afro-Venezuelans or Dominicans, uh, Afro-Puerto Ricans, and going to events. I love dance and um, music and concerts. And I'm just studying more and I'm learning about the Middle Passage. And I'm saying, wow, and, I'm, and then I'm traveling. So, you know, I, I went to Havana and I'm seeing a whole lot of people look like me as a dark-skinned African-American female. And I'm traveling throughout and I went to Venezuela and was with my friend Evelyn and her brothers. I'm seeing, again, a lot of people in these various places. I mean, it was really incredible. These artists that I'm meeting in Havana, Afro-Cuban painters, and I'm going to shows while I'm in Havana and Venezuela, and I'm just studying more. And I'm, I'm noticing this real lack of representation. I mean, it was, it's dis, it was really disheartening. I just, eventually I came up with this idea showcasing the incredible talent of Afro-Latinos. 
what was totally missing on television and realizing I don't have to wait for some network to bring me what I want to see and to show and profile these amazing people that are just usually missing from Latin American television, both in the U.S. and throughout Latin America. And so I just came up with this idea that, you know what, I'm going to do in a travel show what I want to see. And so I came up with this idea to, in a 30-minute show, to showcase in each country or each city, give a historical background, because so much of it is obviously Blacks were brought to these countries and enslaved, but not exclusively. So you give a historical context first, and then we meet the artists and painters and musicians and cooks and chefs and all these wonderful people that I'd been meeting on my trips and reading about that aren't, I think, celebrated as they should be and devote an entire show to them too. That's the other thing. And so not just one segment, but an entire show devoted to these communities and to these people. So I had the idea really over 10 years. I pitched it to PBS because I thought PBS would be a good home for it. And many people don't realize that with PBS, as producers, you have to come with the show paid for, financed. PBS, for the bulk of productions, does not provide financial support. You, as a producer, have to fundraise or, you, you know, you pay for it yourself or whatever combination. You have to do that. And so it was a long road because I wanted to get support from different countries in Latin America. Many times, I got a lot of no's. I mean, I can't even tell you. I mean, I... You know, I say now, I thought my name was no, because people just, no, 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 no. I was like, is my name no? Because it was just one no after the other. And I think that also speaks to the evolution and awareness of Afro-Latinos, because years ago, I mean, I would just get no, I don't know what you're talking about, or no, we're not interested, no, that doesn't fit. And in the last couple of years, you've just seen a real evolution in terms of Afro-Latino political power. Costa Rica now has the first black vice president in the Americas. So even before the United States. Yeah, I, I saw that and I immediately thought of, uh, you know, we were all, you know, celebrating Kamala Harris being nominated by the Democratic Party for mm-hmm. vice presidential candidate. And when I saw that episode uh, about Costa Rica, I was blown away. I said, wow, yes. you know, they're ahead of us. And I would have never thought, uh, that Costa Rica would have a vice president of African descent and a female at that. Yeah, absolutely. It's so proud. Oh my gosh. I remember just learning about, I mean, I, I knew about her before, so years prior, um, but I was just so proud and so pleased. And she's been fighting for the rights of Afro-Costa Ricans and, and Afro-Latinos for many years. Um, so it's so well-deserved and she's smart and beautiful. I mean, it's just great. And when people see the episode, we've got pictures of a group, a couple pictures of her family. Oh my gosh, it just melts my heart to see such a lovely, beautiful family. And I think that's what's also missing, this idea of seeing black families on TV. So I wanted to show families and the unity of so many of these families. It's just beautiful. I wanted to, as I said, I wanted to show what I'd been wanting and wanting to see. And so we just decided, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to do this. So it was a long road, but as I was saying, I could see in the last several years that things have shifted. And now more of the countries that I've been talking to 
you know, oh, we're interested, we have a plan, we have a marketing plan, or we have, you know, part of our tours or some segment of their tourism dedicated to their African descendants. So that's a good thing in that countries are really starting to recognize for whatever reason, but it's good that I think awareness is increasing and that's what I like. And then I'll just say this, and then you're, I'm also seeing throughout Latin America just increased political clout, like with EPSI and more social organizations. I think the Black Lives Matter movement is definitely influencing and having an influence in Latin America. So I think there are a lot of factors that motivating and inspiring communities, Black communities in Latin America as well. So it's um, just a host of, of, of reasons why you see now, I think, increased emphasis. And it's overdue. I mean, Blacks have been in Latin America for 500 years. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, it's interesting. I know when I first started learning Spanish, I noticed the same thing you did, right? Like when you watch, you know, media like the telenovelas, you see a lot of uh, very, very light-skinned Mexicans are presented a lot in in the media, and you don't really see uh, even Brazilians, right? Which is the the, the biggest African diaspora that there right. is outside of Africa, right? Their biggest population of African descendants, and you just don't see Black people represented in media. And I know mm-hmm. even when I traveled to uh, to places like Brazil, and and people thought I was from there because I was thinking too, you know, being ignorant traveling that, oh, but all the Brazilian supermodels are white with green eyes and all this kind of thing. That's not me. Why do they think I look like I'm from here? And I think that's one of the connections that I realized being black from the from the United States, that we really are missing out on connecting with the diaspora that is throughout Latin America yes. because we don't make that connection. And I think it's a beautiful thing when you can see yourself in the language, in the culture, as you're traveling, you can see people, like you said, that look like they could be you. I remember uh, the episode in Costa Rica, you were showing the painter and there was this picture of a little girl. She had like the two little pigtails. You said you could see yourself as a little girl in that picture. And I could too, but it's, that's the thing about it is the universality of being a person of African descent that you, you can travel and see yourself in different places expressed in different cultures, but we still have that underlying connection. So I think it's it's great that you're that you're showcasing this, that you're showcasing families, that you're showcasing Afro-Latino culture, because I think it's something that can really help really even energize uh, people of African descent here in the U.S. that want to learn a language and they don't really see the connection. So I think um, bringing that uh, to the table is is really potent and can really help I think, make a connection here with, with what we have in the U.S. with with our brothers and sisters throughout Latin America. I, I agree with you a thousand percent. And, you know, part of also wanting to do the show is also to just dispel myths or and stereotypes and show the beauty of, you know, Afro-Latinos and talk about their creativity and incredible resilience despite the odds. I mean, people of African descent have done amazing. I mean, just amazing things. And I talk to people and say, so much of what you love throughout Latin America has African roots. And it's time that we really start acknowledging, and I'm not saying as if I'm the first one to acknowledge, I don't mean that, but that's what the focus of the show is. I mean, just incredible. I mean, you think about in the Costa Rica episodes, where Blacks, mostly from Jamaica, that wave of immigrants in the early 1900s, I mean, built the Costa Rican Railroad. I mean, if I try and tell people, think about what that means. Early 1900s, you're in the Costa Rican jungle 
you can't pick up a cell phone and call if you get, you know, if you break your hand or if you have an accident, there's no cell phone, I mean, or call 911 to get help. You're out there in the middle of the Costa Rican jungle. And the first, I was told by Quince Duncan that after the first 5,000 people died, they stopped counting the deaths. Wow. So I say we have an incredible debt, an enormous gratitude to pay to these people and honor them that they made it possible for the railroad to be built. I mean, that's not, that's no, I mean, that's, that's substantial. That's the basic infrastructure of a country a hundred and some years ago when how products and items move from A to B. And so they were instrumental and integral to the development of Costa Rica, the country. And they need to be, that needs to be known. And we had folks in the crew and other people in Costa Rica who didn't know that. So I think it speaks to who tells the story, you know, what tell, story are you telling and why it's important for people of African descent to also tell their stories. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know I even I didn't know that. And I've been to Costa Rica and I when I saw the episode, I said, wow, I, I had no idea. And unless someone tells the story, uh, you just won't know. Right. Uh, and the fact that, you know, like you say, a lot of that history, I think it's lost as well. When you mentioned like, oh, they stopped counting. I mean, after a certain uh, number. This idea of, of making sure that these people are counted or honored in some way was very important to me. And then I know with your love of, you know, I'm assuming your love of, you know, Brazil. And I was in Rio last year and, you know, the I took some tours to learn more about, you know, Rio's African roots. And I just I find Brazil actually absolutely fascinating. I think it's incredible that you can see someone who looks just like me or you. And, you know, maybe their name is Joao and they don't speak English. And I just get so I just think it's so amazing. And I just fall, you know, I just fall kind of head over heels in terms of the people and the culture and especially how much of it was influenced by Africa and its African roots. So Rio was was eye opening in many aspects last year. I just tell you, I had the pleasure of meeting with Nusimar Nogueira, who was just finishing up her term as Minister of Culture for the city of Rio and her she has her ancestors were some of the early pioneers of samba and i met with her on martin luther king's birthday so so think about that already so you're i'm already thinking i'm meeting with this woman who's got this incredible history so proud to be afro-brazilian and just listening to her and she started the the samba museum in rio and she is really working to make sure that Brazil honors the roots and its Afro-Brazilian legacy and influence in Samba. And she was just amazing. I just loved her. I met her the first time and I was just like, she's incredible. And then to meet her on Martin Luther King Day was just, I mean, something, the stars were aligned or something. I know I was supposed to be really picking up, you know, I was supposed to really take, soak, soak all of this in. And I also, and I don't know if you went to, I also went to a favela Providencia. And I wanted to go because I'd read a book called Favela. And I learned so much in that book because I think, you know, part of what I want to do with the series is dispel myths too about Afro-Latinos. And 
when I was reading Favela and the author was stating that, you know, people who live in favelas are teachers and social workers and all these different occupations. And I had, I was like, I had no idea. This was several years ago and I read it and it just opened my eyes up to the possibilities, you know, and how much people from the favelados and how much they'd contributed to Brazilian culture. And so I decided last year that I was going to go and make my own decisions and have my own experience. And I wasn't going to let somebody else tell me about how terrible, you know, the people were there in the favelas and how just awful it was. And I wanted to go myself and have my own experience. And it was so eye opening. And I have to tell you, I made met this one mother and daughter and we just connected. I was, you know, kind of rushed, so I didn't have a lot of time to speak with them. But she offered me some of her lunch, the mother did. I mean, we just smiled at each other and talked very briefly. But I just felt so well received and so welcomed. It was just, it was incredible. And, you know, it's, I think part of the travel experience is to let yourself have those experiences and to form an opinion for yourself. Rio also had some really, you know, disheartening moments in that you could see how black people, you know, so often are living on the margins. And we see with Corona, how the ones, the people who are so partially affected are Afro-Brazilians. And so while Corona wasn't, you know, that wasn't the issue at the time, um, you could see how, and that was really heartbreaking. In some aspects, I felt like I was in the 1950s because there was still, you know, there wasn't maybe the formal segregation where you see a sign saying, you know, who can go here and who can go there. But you could see, I'd go to restaurants and be the only black person in the restaurant. I mean, you didn't see people in the hotels behind the desks, management. So some of that was really, it was hard to see. Yeah, and you know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think what's interesting as a language learner and also someone who's very sensitive to the fact that I am a learner, I'm a lifelong learner, and I'm learning about other people's cultures, and I'm very hesitant to say that people are doing something in a way that is wrong, quote unquote, like I wouldn't mm -hmm. say that. However, I have noticed that when it comes to the issue of race in Latin America, mm -hmm. that there is a, there's definitely a difference, and mm -hmm. I haven't been able to exactly put my finger on it yet, but I do know that I have been told countless times that oh, you know, racism is a problem of the U.S. Yes. We don't see, you know, it's we're, yes. we're a mixed society yes. and we're all together. But just like you said, I observed the same thing. When I was in Rio, I went to a favela and, you know, people there, like I said, they thought I was from uh, Rio de Janeiro. They were saying in the streets, I was Carioca. And I'm like, right. oh, no. <laughs> so I had to learn um, because people just assumed that I was from there. However, what I observed was that the people who were darker, yes. the people, those people are the ones that live in the favela. Those yes. are also the people who were uneducated. Those are the people who didn't have access to resources. Those are the people that were poor. So what I've noticed is that people will tell you, yes. oh, well, they don't have overt racism like we may have had in the Jim Crow South. However, the result of it is the same. And I think now with the younger generation, just like you're noticing some of the changes with even Afro-Latino being a term that people are fixing their mouths to say now. Yes. I think that part of it is that you have this younger generation that's coming up that is very aware of some of these things. And the conversations that I have with younger folks from Latin America is more of, 
you know this this awareness of oh yeah no things <laughs> things weren't right and you know we yeah it's it's clear that there's at least at least they'll cop to the fact that there's colorism if not yes. blatantly calling it racism so I do think it's interesting I think race is treated differently in the way yes. it's spoken about but I think the practical reality is the Americas altogether are not very different when it comes to how darker people are treated it's Absolutely. just an unfortunate reality but however you talk about it whenever language you put it <laughs> it's still the same it's, it's the same yes. right <laughs> no I'm I'm so glad you mentioned that I, I agree wholeheartedly is that you know as you say I've traveled throughout Latin America or in, even here in the U.S. and depending on who you talk to but in Latin America I remember being in Cartagena a couple of years ago with a tour guide who I think here obviously in the U.S. we would just say she's black and I remember her telling me that um, and Cartagena was the port that enslaves were brought in through Colombia. Um, right. And so you go to Cartagena, you see, oh, again, a lot of people who look like you and me. Um, but I remember asking, we were, somehow we were talking about, and I wanted to know more about the Afro-Colombians and in Cartagena particularly. But I remember at some point she said, you know, that in Latin America, I mean, there's no racism. We're all one. We're all the same. And so I'm like, okay. And then I said, well, I just asked her, well, how come I don't see many people, many black people on television? I haven't do any of them own banks. I mean, who are the people in control in positions of power? I mean, that to me speaks, you can say there is no racism, but until you take a look at it, once you take a look at well, who's the management, who's running the hotel, who's behind, not just, you know, the servicing, but who's re running the hotel, who's receiving the money, those kinds of things. Then let, let's, let's, we can talk about it. But just to say that, and I just asked her, I said, well, who's on television? Because I think for me, that's, you know, obviously I'm into media, but for me, that's, that's what I like to look at. Do you have people, do you, do you have black people on television? Do you have dark-skinned black people on television? That'll tell me a lot. And do you have not just one, but many? Especially when you're in a town or a city that is a predominantly black population. Yeah, exactly. And I think those are some of the things, I think as you mentioned, the Black Lives Matter having an influence. I think that some of those ideas that may be um, led by the civil rights movement that we had here in the United States are inspiring yes. uh, people to ask these questions now that they may not have even thought to ask before right. because it's just the way it was and they just right. accepted it. So I do think that is a powerful part of that connection again between you know Africans in the diaspora throughout yes. all of the Americas to really uh, unite and kind of you know, just demand that respect, right? Demand to be recognized and acknowledged because like you said, we've been all over for over 500 years, right? So this is not new. This isn't uh, right. new at all. And the, you know, and the other thing is I think that the, you know, whether, and it may be that people really, I don't know, really don't believe that there there is racism in Latin America. It's kind of, but it's, when you say that, then you don't have to deal with it, you know? But when you admit to it or believe, yes, we have some, you, then you're, you know, you're opening yourself up to, well, what are we going to do about it? Right. But it's easy to say that there's no problem. You know, when there's no problem, hey, you wash your hands, there's no problem, we're done. It's when you say that there are issues and there are problems, okay, well, what's the next step? I mean, what are we going to do? How are we going to address it? And a lot of times people don't like to have those conversations. 
or you know it's easier to just say that you know there's no racism it's easy to do that yeah, it makes me think of uh, Stephen Colbert. I watch all the time. He used to say, I don't see color. He used to say that as a joke because he was, right. it was a parody of the fact that you have these people who say, I don't see color because they're just like you said, they don't want to have those uncomfortable conversations. But I think what you're doing with your series is amazing. It's really bringing it to light. And I think that's the beginning of the conversation to shine a light on the stories of the people who have been throughout Latin America this whole time that haven't really had that opportunity to have their voices heard. So I'm so glad that you're bringing the series to audiences and I understand it's going to be playing throughout the month of October. So could you just share with folks if we want to, I could talk to you about this all day. These are like my favorite topics too. (laughs) But for folks that want to continue this conversation uh, with you, how can they reach you on social media? And more importantly, how can they find uh, the listings for Afro-Latino Travels where they live? Probably the easiest thing to do is go to our website, Travels with Kim Haas, H-A-A-S as in Sam, so two A's, one S, dot com. There we have uh, the station listings, and because it's hard to say there's no one universal time on PBS, so it depends on where you're located and dates and times of airings, but um, we encourage people to spread the word because there's more to come. We are you know, looking to do more, we plan on doing more, and we wanna open up people's eyes and hearts to these people and these communities who've just been absolutely incredible and have shaped Latin America in such amazing ways. And they, they deserve to be recognized. So travelswithkimhaas.com is probably the easiest way. Thank you so much, Kim, for taking the time to share your story with us and to uh, bring these stories from uh, the Afro-Latino community to not just uh, to uh, Black people, right, but to the entire community so that we can have this conversation and continue this discussion. So thank you so much for your work and for taking time to be on the podcast. Thank you so much. Gracias. So that wraps up this episode of the Learn Spanish Con Salsa podcast. And make sure you go to travelswithkimhaas.com to check out the listings for Afro-Latino Travels with Kim Haas in your area. Uh, This is a really, really uh, great show. I know that there'll be more to come. Uh, The first episode, as she mentioned, is about Costa Rica, but she's traveling more and is adding on more and more to the series. So make sure you check it out. Travels with Kim Haas. And don't forget, if you want to be a part of our 100th episode, go to learnspanishconsalsa.com slash voice and leave us a voice note sharing your favorite takeaway from the Learn Spanish Con Salsa podcast, something that's helped you improve your Spanish or just your favorite episode, anything that you want to share with us. Uh, We will include your voice note in the 100th episode. So if you want to be a part of that, make sure you get on that by Friday. After Friday, we will no longer be doing our giveaway, but you're more than welcome to leave us a voice note after that uh, just to let us know how you feel about the podcast because we always love to hear your feedback. But we will be shutting down the giveaway this Friday, October 16th. So if you want to get that phrase book of the 115 essential Spanish phrases, make sure that you leave your voice notes by Friday. Okay, so that is it for this episode. And como siempre, as always, I hope that something that you heard in this episode has helped take you one step closer from Spanish principiante to bilingual. Hasta la próxima. 
Thank you for listening to the Learn Spanish Con Salsa podcast at LearnSpanishConSalsa.com. <laughs>